Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash nuclear revenge video. Today we've got one of the craziest stories of revenge against a school bully. But first, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. That said, our story of the day is I brought the school bully to his knees. Every school has its bullies. We've all known one, right? I bet more than a few of us have had dealings with them too. Kids can be cruel little jerks at the best of times. Throw in some forbidden fruit though and they just spiral out of control. I grew up in a pretty bad part of Michigan, lots of crime, and nothing much else. I try to keep my head down and avoid all of that as much as possible, but it was hard not to be touched by it. I lost a friend to crack. He'd become hooked and played the street lottery until one day he bought a losing cut and ended up passing out next to someone's trash can. The trash man was the one who found him, reportedly lying against the can as if he was sleeping. He'd been dead for hours by then. He was 13. Not more than a year later, a female pal of mine went to prison because she'd been caught dealing. She told me that her boyfriend would get pretty handsy if she didn't do as he said. The jury didn't seem to believe her, but I did. She was my friend. I knew what a lot of people thought about people like us. No, that's not it. They didn't even think of us as people. Just vermin scuttering around in the gutter. There is just a little part of me, one that winces with guilt, for feeling like I understand where they're coming from, though. None of us were saints. A lot of us did things we shouldn't have, but I don't think we were bad people. I think we just got screwed over by life. Nonetheless, I'd be a liar if I said that I thought there were no bad eggs stinking us out. School's never easy, but a poorly funded school in a rough part of town can be chaos. I didn't really appreciate that at the time. It took a few years and some distance to really see how messed up it was. That said, I knew enough at the time to at least know it was bad. That's why even at school I tried to keep my head down. That carried over to my grades. I was wary of trying too hard because I knew that top grades equaled brutal bullying. Fists, not brains, ruled the schoolyard. So I made the word quiet my mantra, living my school days as someone most people didn't think about much. I had a close-knit little circle of friends, I didn't bother anyone much, and I didn't stick my neck out. I liked it like that. In the 10th grade, a new kid joined the school. His name was Blake and his family had just moved up from Alabama. He was a good-looking kid, but apart from that, seemed pretty unassuming. I quickly learned, though, that he had a couple of unreal abilities. One, he had real charisma. Have you ever met someone that could make the air move? The kind of person who could make people feel special just by paying attention to them? He had it. The other thing was that he was trained in karate. I've never been really bullied before, or at least nothing beyond the occasional name-calling in middle school, but in this guy, I found someone who really didn't like me. At first, he was just occasionally passive-aggressive, but he ramped it up over time when he saw that, initially, I didn't offer much resistance. I thought that if I didn't react, that he'd eventually get bored and leave me alone. More fool me. 
In reality, it was just confirmed to him that I was an easy target, and so I became his new favorite prey. On a chilly fall afternoon, I was walking home from school when I sensed that I was being followed. By the time that I did though, I was between a rock and a hard place. I could either turn back and face my follower, or move through the alley ahead of me, the one I usually used as it was a shortcut home. I didn't have it in me to turn around, so I took a chance and carried on. I got about halfway before I heard running and felt the back of my jacket grabbed, before being shoved against the wall. There he was, Blake with his impenetrable dark brown eyes watching me. My nerves were on high alert as I tried to think of how I should handle this. Should I try and appease him, stand up to him? All I knew is that I didn't want to get hurt. I just wanted to roll on home, take off my bag and grab a soda from the fridge. The corner of his mouth curled into a menacing little smile. I've been seeing you looking at my girl. For reference, his girl was a mean girl type with a laugh like a strangled parrot. I say I haven't, I promise. His eyes lit up. I knew I'd fallen into his trap. You calling me a liar? I say no, I just... What, my girl not good enough for you? I say no, that's not it. Reckon you're something special, don't you? Pretty uppity, aren't ya, M-boy? As soon as he said that, I knew exactly what his problem was. Still, it didn't help me whatsoever in finding a solution. Not that I had any time to think of one. He cleared the distance between us and slapped me hard. I went into shock. I was no fighter, so this was the first time I'd ever been hit, and I had no idea how to respond. I looked up to him, and there was a terrifying look of satisfaction and glee on his face. I went to run, but he grabbed me and pushed me back against the wall before punching me in the gut. I was screwed. I was winded, paralyzed, and he used that. He threw more hits until my body was aching like crazy. When he'd had his fill, he grabbed my hair and pulled my head up, making me look directly at him. He was panting a bit, but he got his message across loud and clear. What's the matter? I thought your kind were supposed to be tough. At least the bruises won't show. After that, he gently slapped my cheek and walked off. I didn't know what to do with myself at first. But then the reality hit home and I just started crying. I felt stupid. Mom had always told me that men are supposed to be tough, that I needed to toughen up. That kept looping in my mind, making me feel like a failure. It was about half an hour before I pulled myself together and carried on home. When I got there, I didn't go to the kitchen. Instead, I went straight to the bathroom, firstly to swirl my face with fresh water. It's apparently supposed to do something for crying, but I never noticed the difference. And then I took off my jacket and shirt. Blake had been wrong. I could already see red patches on my skin. I had an idea that it would feel worse tomorrow, and I was right. Our home wasn't much, but Mom made the most of it. She kept the place spotless and made sure everything was always in its proper place. Fortunately for our finances, it was just the two of us. I never had any brothers or sisters and dad left when I was little. As I got older, I resented him for that, for leaving me and mom to fend for ourselves. I wasn't very old when he left, but I was old enough to remember something of him. I remember that he had big feet and that he was a cheerful guy. He gave me attention, played cars with me, and sometimes tucked me into bed and read me stories. He couldn't always do it because he worked nights quite a lot, but I never for a moment imagined that he'd just walk away one day. I remember the day he left, mom had come to pick me up from elementary school and walked all the way home without saying a word about it. Throughout the evening, she still never said anything. It was only when a day had passed that she couldn't hide the truth from me any longer. I burst into tears and blamed her. I regret that. I know it was just me being a stupid little kid and I'm sure she knows it too, but I still feel a little bad about it. 
I used to take the edge off my frustration by joking that he'd probably just gone out for cigarettes and that he'd be back anytime soon. In all seriousness though, I did wonder what the heck happened to him. When he left, the only thing he took were his clothes. Everything else, his watch, DVD collection, signet ring and revolver, had remained here untouched. It was like he was some secret agent who'd been called away and could never return. I doubt that's the reason though, dad had two left feet. He tripped over my Lego once and pulled the sofa to the floor with him. Hardly George smiling. I didn't want to go to school the next day. I felt sick to my stomach at the mere thought of being around that thug. My nerves were close to shot. I thought about skipping for the one day but knew that the school would ring home, that mom would be here to answer it and that it would be alarming. I never missed a day of school, so she'd be bound to confront me about it and then I'd either have to lie or come clean about what really happened. God knows I wish I could. I wished that she would be understanding and supportive. My gut instinct told me that the opposite was more likely though and I couldn't deal with that as well as Blake. So what was left? Keep quiet or tell a teacher? Couldn't tell one of them, I'd be sealing my own fate. Nobody likes a squealer, especially bullies. I came to the conclusion that I should keep quiet for now, see how things played out. A flash of blind optimism, stupid optimism, even led me to think that hey, maybe he'd had his fill and he'd move on, leave me alone. Man, I was delirious. I dragged myself to school, really feeling the sting of yesterday's attack, and did my best to keep my distance from him. I found that I couldn't even bear to look at him. It felt like the longest day ever, but I managed it, and without encountering him once. As soon as school finished, I got out of there as fast as I could and ran home, despite the pain. Rinse and repeat over the next couple of weeks. I began to think there was something in my hope. Everything seemed to have cooled off. As a matter of fact though, it was just the eye of the storm. He got a bit braver and would start harassing me during the school day. He started spreading rumors that I was gay, that my mom was a junkie, and that my dad was in jail for messing around with kids. Basically anything a 2000s bullying teen could dish out to ruin my credibility. When he made a pariah of me, he upped the ante by shoving me anytime he passed me in school. Then it just got worse and worse. When he caught me in the bathroom once, he gave me a swirly. He printed off a picture of a black man hanging from a tree and stuck it to my locker. He shoved me more and more. He stuck a picture of the triple K to my locker. I ripped that one off. He came up behind me and dug his hands into my ribs hard and then laughed when I jumped out of my skin. He wasn't the only one either. I could hear other kids around me laughing. The thing is, it was when he did nothing that unnerved me the most. So when he started following me home again, repeatedly, without doing anything, I found it scariest of all. Sometimes he'd hang out around outside my place for a while. The first time he did that, I didn't know and went mindlessly looking out of the living room window. My heart skipped a beat and his eyes calibrated onto me. He smiled and made a threatening gesture. By this point, I felt like I was coming apart. He just kept pushing and pushing. I was anxious, scared, and frustrated. I just wanted him to leave me alone. It didn't make any sense. How could he hate me so much? I had never done anything to him. Not even so much as given him a dirty look. It was harsh, but if I can take anything from it, it's the first-hand experience of being on the receiving end of disgusting, blind hatred. Still, I find it pretty unnerving to know that people can behave like that. That they can revile something to the depths of their heart without any good reason. I carry that thought around with me. The only upshot was that becoming a pariah showed me who my true friends were. Out of the few that I had, I was left with about two who stuck by me. 
A couple just kept distance from me, ghosted me, but one went as far as to kowtow to Blake, becoming his lackey. In this corner of the world though, loyalty is paramount, so I don't know whether his move was brave or stupid. What I do know is that despite initially seeming like Blake had accepted him into his little clique, he was eventually tied to a post and stripped down to his underwear, left and found in the morning by a helpful passerby. After that, he was on his lonesome. Blake didn't want anything to do with him. I certainly didn't, and let's face it, who else is going to want to be friends with a backstabber? During recess once, one of the two who stuck by me, Kyle, was chatting to me about him. He brought up how his home life had been pretty rough, mentioning how unstable it was and wondering if we could give him another chance. My teenage self was adamant that he didn't deserve a second chance, that he deserved to be alone after backstabbing us. Looking back, sometimes I wonder whether that was right. Anyway, about a couple of weeks after this started, my mom told me one evening that Gran had fallen ill and would need help. Her and her sisters were going to take turns, and being the oldest, she was first up. It would only be a couple of days, she told me. In reality, she ended up being there nearer a week. In the meantime, I think that Blake must have cottoned on that I was home alone, and one evening brought along a couple of friends. Through the slits in the blinds, I recognized them from school too. I'll admit it, I was terrified. My first thought went to wondering what I could use to protect myself. I looked around, thought about the knives in the kitchen, and then decided they'd be too risky to use in defense. Then, my mind traveled upstairs to the top of the wardrobe in my mom's room, where a little wooden box sat. I raced up there and grabbed it. Opening it and sitting inside was dad's gun. I vividly remember the feeling of picking it up. It had a nice weight to it. It was reassuring. I checked the barrel and found there were a couple bullets inside. For a moment, I just stood under the light and pretended Blake was standing in front of me, then held the gun and took aim. A surge of excitement washed over me. I felt powerful. After the beating, humiliation, and torment, I felt this piece of metal was leveling things, giving me back control. I wanted to make Blake pay. I wanted to see his friends run scared. I headed down the stairs and walked up to the front door. I was going to make sure Blake never hurt me again. I quickly thrust the handle down and opened the door, stepping out and prepared to face them. When I got there though, they'd already gone. The next day, I got dressed, grabbed my bag and slipped the gun into it before heading off to school. Same old, same old, harassed during school and then followed home, continuing on most days. I kept the piece with me and on the days when they did follow me, I was always tempted to pull it out and point it at them. I persevered though only by the grace of God for a while longer. By this point, I didn't go anywhere without my bag. So on one Saturday evening when I'd agreed to meet up with a few friends at a local basketball court to shoot a few hoops, the bag came with me. Going there, I didn't feel too bad. I had no reason to think that Blake would be spending his weekend spying on me and no reason to think he'd know where I was going. When I got to the court, I felt reassured to see my mates there. We had a laugh, got some fresh air, and caught up with one another. I told them about Blake. One of them said I should call the cops on him. The other one chimed in and said I could be playing with fire if I did that. They were like the little angel and devil on my shoulders, arguing about what I should do. In this case, I agreed with the devil and his fire. It was a catch-22 situation. After we'd finished, we said our goodbyes and headed off home. I was happy for having had some fun, for being with friends and it made me careless. 
It took me way too long to notice the footsteps behind me. I stopped and turned, emboldened by the gun, and saw Blake standing there alone. Cocky smile on his face and his hands resting in his hoodie's pockets. Saw you at the court with your little boyfriends. Looks like you won't be getting any tonight. I say shut up. I had to take stock. The words just fell out of my mouth, so casually and calmly. He said, would you look at that? Black boy's got some balls after all. He started towards me and, to be honest, even now, I don't know if it was fear or excitement that led to me instinctively, quickly pulling out the gun. He stopped dead in his tracks as I pointed it at him, and I felt huge satisfaction from seeing the smile wiped from his face. It had come to pass. I was in control, and he was the prey. I understood that intoxicating feel of power that he'd felt all this time. He said that I should reconsider things, that I'd got it all wrong. There was no bad blood between us. We were just messing around. My blood pressure must have skyrocketed. What kind of fool did he take me for? I asked him. He said that he didn't. I told him that he did, that he'd never try and make me believe beating me up, harassing me, and taunting me was anything but bad blood. My mounting anger must have been clear to him because he got backtracked, gave me some weak apology that I didn't believe for a second. I got closer and told him as much. He told me that he'd beg and he did. He got down on his knees and started pleading with me. My position became weirder. I simultaneously felt angry, powerful, and sadistic glee. I was becoming lost to my emotions, but then I remembered the look in his eyes when he first slapped me. It occurred to me that I'd sunk to his level, and quickly, it stopped feeling so satisfying. I lowered the gun and turned away, telling him to just leave me alone. I went to slip the gun into my bag when I heard him come running towards me, grabbing my gun hand. We struggled up and down, pushing and pulling. I told him to let go. Over and over like a dog with a bone though, he refused to. He shoved me, then I shoved him back. And then, amidst the struggle, I felt his finger compress mine against the trigger. It went off with a bang that froze me to the spot. It was as if time itself had paused in that split second. The first thing I did when I got myself together was to look down. There was a hole in his jeans, one that was bleeding. His grip relinquished as he saw it too and I stumbled back. His face contorted in pain and he spluttered a swear word. Confused to be in this surreal situation, I didn't know what to say so I just said that I was sorry and pulled out my mobile. I flipped it open and called 911, telling them only that I needed an ambulance because someone had been shot. I gave them my location and then hung up, with a mind to just walk away. As I began to though, Blake's strained voice stopped me in my tracks. There was a hint of triumph in his voice as he said that he was going to tell the police exactly what I'd done. I said he had no proof. He affirmed that, saying that it was his word versus mine, that they weren't going to believe me over him. It struck me in that instant that he was right, that my future was set by that one brief moment. I felt strangely numb. I just wanted to be at home, I thought, so I intended to leave him to it. It wasn't going to matter either way anyway. Blake said, whilst you're locked up, me and the guys will see to your mom. What I felt when he said that was a kind of cold, still anger. I didn't care anymore. I used that second bullet. I tossed the gun aside and walked home like nothing had happened. I sat on the sofa and turned on the TV, watched the news and soon heard the toilet flush. A minute or so later, mom appeared in the living room and looked at me Ari. She asked me if everything was okay and I laughed. 
felt like the craziest thing someone could ask me after everything that had happened. She probed, but I couldn't bring myself to tell her about any of it. She soon got her answers though when the police turned up a couple of hours later, arresting her son for murder. There was no trial. I pled guilty. I was screwed either way after all. It was a built-up area, so someone was bound to have seen something. My prints were on the gun, and I knew it would rest on our statements. I knew how that sort of thing went down, and I knew that they'd take his side over mine. It was a done deal. I got sentenced to 16 years in prison without parole and haven't been out long. I had a lot of time to think and reflect whilst I was on the inside. Did I do the right thing? Stopping him from getting to my mom, I mean. I realized that this whole sorry mess was a heck of a lot more complicated than that. I knew that as much as Blake was a violent, racist thug, he'd probably been molded like that by his horrible parents. I knew that I should have never have taken out that gun in the first place, but also that I felt very seriously scared for my safety. That no matter who I might have told, I'd likely lose regardless. Life on the outside hasn't been easy as a convict, especially one of my caliber, but I'm really trying to make something of my life again. I've been trying to set up a little eBay business, but I found out it's not nearly as easy to get selling as it seems. I've been joking about the possibility of trying to get my own reality TV show. Everyone seems to have one these days. That's one of the things I noticed when I first got out of prison. Sure, there'd been reality shows before I went inside, but now it's as if they've taken over. People get to be celebrities from it. The world's really changed a lot, even though it's not been all that long in the grand scheme of things. My family disowned me, mom included. I tried visiting her after I got out, but she slammed the door in my face. I did it for you, ma. You want to know the final irony? I dealt with Blake to stop the harassment and violence. Then, a few months after being released, just when I thought I might settle down to a new life, a neighbor found out about my conviction and started harassing me. He smashed one of my windows and vandalized my home. I was older and wiser though, so I didn't turn to violence. At first, I tried to reason with him, but he wouldn't listen. He said that I'd killed Blake because he was white, and that I was probably part of the Nation of Islam, a crazy thing that couldn't have been further from the truth. When it became clear that I couldn't find a common ground with him, and when the cops repeatedly refused to do anything useful to stop him, I packed my things and moved. I survived all those years in prison, so I know that I can be as patient as I need as I keep on searching for that better life. I'll find it someday. Honestly, this is an incredibly rough story to hear about. Although there was revenge in the story, from start to finish, there's no satisfaction really to be had. Do you think in the heat of the moment that OP ultimately made the right decision that no matter what they did, they were going to be doomed? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. If you want to hear another super crazy revenge story, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.